It's important to know. Dark Days of Dorothy Gale is solely a reimagining of the novel The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, and not the 1939 film or any other iteration of the story. Dark Days of Dorothy Gale, Aftermath, for Episodes 27 and 27-2. Chapter 37 of Dark Days of Dorothy Gale, The Road South. And Chapter 18 of The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, Away to the South. Check, check. One, two, three, check, check, check. This thing on? This thing on? <laughs> of course it's on. Only a boob would do an entire episode without realizing they forgot to hit record. So let's try this again. I mean, for the first time. Definitely for the first time. This week, we're packing up for a trip down south. In Dark Days of Dorothy Gale this week, we don't really get a lot of information on Glinda, other than she might be the nicest witch around, and she lives really, really, really far away. We do get a pretty detailed idea of what to expect in the coming chapters, though. I say detailed, but it's actually a relatively vague roadmap. I've still got a few tricks up my sleeve, don't you worry. We find out that Dorothy is going to have to cross the mountains. The living forest, Idnis Itza, commonly referred to as China country, quadling territory, razor grass in the black marsh, the blue ocean, complete with three islands, each more difficult than the last. And all of this, of course, in the hopes that Glinda is alive and willing or able to help. It's no secret, and certainly you, the dedicated listeners of this here podcast, know by now, much of my inspiration comes from thousands of hours of video games that I played in my youth. I mean, I still play video games to this day, but they don't really impact me quite as much as they used to. Anyway, the point is, their influence has never been on more prominent display than they are here. It wasn't intentional, but more coincidental, or more likely subconscious, that this exposition resembles a pretty direct questline. Reading it again and analyzing it for this here podcast, I feel like this could fit a myriad of old-school games. I can almost imagine this broken down in the form of an old Nintendo Power, or maybe even a Tips and Tricks magazine, where they list the worlds Mario is going to have to travel through. I picture a sprawling multi-page layout. You know, where the left-hand side is where the level starts, and it's more or less a giant panoramic view of the entire level. Here is where Dorothy and company have to enter the forest. A little further on the page is where the forest boss is. Further along, you see the quadling level. 
complete with a how-to guide for dealing with the enemies. I don't know if these types of level maps are still used for current side-scrolling games, but if they aren't, and you're young enough to have never witnessed their glory, or if you've just never been a gamer in general, I highly recommend seeking one of these masterpieces out. A relic of a simpler time? Maybe. A true work of art? Definitely. There isn't a lot of dialogue in this chapter. It's a pretty straightforward chapter, meant to get you on your way. Before I move on, though, I would like to address a certain area of the map. The one labeled Idnis Etsa, commonly referred to as China Country. I explained a while back how a lot of cities were named in my version of the book. Nitvis is simply a backward reference to the original bomb map, where the edge of the map was labeled Shifting Sands. Nitvis, backward, shifting, you get the idea. Anyways, Ildayed is the word deadly, spelled backwards in reference to, again, the old map labeled the Deadly Desert. Idnis Itza is the Sandy Waste, spelled backwards. You can Google the old map and see all these labels if you so choose. The term China country, however, I realize might sound somewhat offensive. I'm not entirely sure. It's not meant to be offensive or to sound like a slur against the Chinese nationality. The source material, the wonderful Wizard of Oz, obviously, has an area and chapter titled The Dainty China Country. It's not really a reference to China or Chinese people. The citizens of the land happen to be porcelain figures. You know, fine China, like your grandmother might have on display in her China hutch. Or maybe your mom. You know what? Maybe your grandfather. Or your dad. I don't want to sound sexist. So let's just throw in a maybe your grand they or parent guardian person. Too much? Uh, Look, I'm as accepting as possible. I support whatever lifestyle a person or being wants to live. But honestly, I don't know where the PC lines are anymore. So... I apologize if I offend anyone. Anyway, that's where the region of the upcoming chapter title comes from. A reference to the old map and the dropping of two simple words from Baum's original work. The wonderful Wizard of Oz gives us a little insight into what to expect in the book's final chapters. Oh, right, by the way, there are only 24 chapters in The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. This week's chapter was 18. So, that means we're almost done. There is a light at the end of the bomb tunnel. There are 55 and an epilogue in Dark Days. So, that means, unfortunately, we're coming up on some weeks with some extra episodes and some with no Wizard of Oz chapters to match. And I apologize for that, but, you know, I've... I've been through that a million times. It is what it is. And I think we should just move on with the rest of this episode. This marks the beginning of the end of Baum's story. 
We get a lot from this chapter, though. There's a lot of fun dialogue, a rather queer description of the quadlings as, well, queer. Of course, Baum meant no harm in this description. 121 years ago, that was just another word for strange or weird. Just like how the Flintstones were going to have a gay old time. The Scarecrow was all like, Well, if Dorothy would just, you know, toughen up and stop being a little baby, we could all be happy here. And Dorothy's all like, well, I don't want to live here. I don't want to be a pirate. Of course, that's not how it actually went down. Dorothy didn't make a Seinfeld reference. He suggests calling the winged monkeys, and Dorothy, being a child and not having needles for brains, didn't think of that before, and agrees. That sounds like a pretty rockin' idea. The monkeys, of course, show up, and they're all like, Oh, no can do, Fu Manchu. Again, not exactly their words. They can't cross the desert or go to Kansas, because that's the civilized world. You know, the world where witches and magic don't exist because they can't exist. When the monkeys fail to be of use, they call in the soldier with the green whiskers. I take the term green whiskers to mean he has a long beard. This is an assumption based entirely on the Denslow artwork. I don't know about anyone else. Maybe it's just me. But when I think of the word whiskers, I always think of maybe like a five o'clock shadow or slightly longer than five o'clock shadow. Again, that could just be me. Maybe it's a generational thing. Maybe it's a regional thing. Maybe people don't think that way outside of Nebraska. I Again, I don't know. It doesn't really matter. It's probably mostly just because I'm jealous since I have the inability to grow any kind of cool facial hair. But you know what, that's neither here nor there, so let's keep moving on. He tells her she might think about checking in with Glinda. She is a pretty nice lady, according to the Quadlings, and has apparently figured out how to effectively use makeup, or at least has a good plastic surgeon, because dang... She looks good for her age. Or at least young. Again, that's not exactly how he phrases it. He does mention that it has been said that she does look younger than she is, though. I don't know why he throws that detail in, but he does. He gives them some info on where they need to go. I mean, this dude is like the Oz equivalent of Google Maps when you get right down to it. Dorothy asks him, how do we get to Glinda? And he pretty much just tells her, you know, go south. So it's decided. They will all go south. The lion, because he prefers the wilderness to the city. He is a wild beast, you know. The woodman, because he figures she might need an axe at some point. And he has one, so naturally, it would make sense for him to go. And much to everyone's surprise, the Scarecrow decides to go as well. Because he's kind of indebted to her. 
Can you imagine electing a president of the United States? Or a leader of your Weird Al Yankovic fan club? And then the next day, they just up and leave? Not only leave, but leave on a crazy long journey that you're not even sure they're going to survive. I get the Scarecrow owes a debt of gratitude to Dorothy, but I'm not so sure he realizes what his new responsibilities are. He's the king now. Why isn't he just sending a security detail to take Dorothy to Glinda instead of him? Good lord, he could make a wagon train. Or use any of the city's resources to stay behind and rule the country. Like he's supposed to. Also, another complaint while I'm complaining about stuff. The woodman early on in this chapter, wants to cry over the loss of the wizard. And by loss of the wizard, I simply mean the leaving of the wizard. And that's cool. That's fine. You know, he's sad. Everyone is sad. I get it. But does he really need Dorothy to wipe his tears away for him? He's not helpless. He has hands, you know. His jaw could rust shut, sure. But that wouldn't hinder his ability to oil his own face, which he does, with his own jeweled oil can, no less. Okay, 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 I, another complaint. Just, just one more. Just one more, please. Please can I have one more? Well, it's my show, so I suppose I can. Anyway, Dorothy used up one of the three uses of the golden cap. But... That wouldn't be the end of it. She's all upset because she wasted a use of the cap. She could just give it to the Scarecrow for three more uses, or the Lion for another three, and the Tin Woodman for another three. Between the whole lot of them, they could rule them monkeys for a long time. Just saying. And if she was so eager to use them to cross the desert into the civilized land, why not just have them carry her to Glinda? I know, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Tyler, it's a children's book. Or maybe you're thinking, if she did that, the the book would be over way too soon. Or, Tyler, you're being a nitpicky humbug. Yeah, have a heart, would ya? And of course, you are correct on all those points. So I guess, what better time than now to say, if I missed anything or failed to address something you think I should have addressed, you can always contact me on Instagram where it's the ordinary sun, that's S-U-N, or Twitter where it's at DarkDorothyG, or via the good old-fashioned email where it's Dark Days of Dorothy Gale at Outlook.com. I'm always open to questions and constructive criticism. You don't have to like what I make. I'm pretty cool with it if you don't like what I make. But, you know, there's no reason to be mean about it. You can be constructive and nice. I know you can. Anyway, come back soon for Chapter 38 of Dark Days of Dorothy Gale, The Living Forest, and Chapter 19 of The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, 
attacked by the fighting trees. I know what you're thinking. Are they going to be attacked near the fighting trees? Like, they're by the fighting trees and then they get attacked or mugged or something? Or are they fighting the trees that are attacking them? Well, there's multiple ways to find out. But I hope you come back here for the answer anyway. Though, you probably already know the answer. Because you are one smart cookie. Thanks for listening. I love you all.